everyone. Welcome to the Invincibly Supermassive Comic Book Podcast of Stuff. I'm Tony Guerrero, Editor-in-Chief of ComicVine.com. I believe yeah, you this, are. I think this is the 91st episode, not counting uh, some panel live recordings that I did. And we have Mr. Dennis Calero. This should be your 100th podcast because it's going to be so special. Yeah. We're going to just – I'm naming this the 100th podcast and everyone else can just, you know – can I say suck it on the podcast? You're gonna are you gonna uh, blank that out? I I, I try to. Do, I mean, if you listen to uh, the panel one that I record over the weekend, I try to do as little editing as possible. It's like I, I so suck it. It's the hundredth podcast. <laughs> yeah. So everyone else can can suck it. So how you doing? I'm good, man. Things are good. Things are really good. Things are I got busy. Like, I'm busy, and I got things in the horizon. And Devil is doing great, and we got some stuff happening with that. And I wrote a I wrote a book, and there's some stuff happening with that, and uh, uh, like a proper proper young adult novel, middle middle grade young adult novel. I'm not quite sure where it settles. And uh, I'm watching good movies, and uh, I'm traveling, and you know, I'm, I'm I'm productive. Things with the family are a little you know tough. You know, my parents are up there. You get that you get that sense of uh, it's the beginning. You know, it's the beginning of the end. Mm. But. Uh, you know, I got my daughter. My daughter's almost going to be four in December, which is crazy. Jeez. And I'm getting along with my ex pretty much. And, uh, you know, life is calm. It's good. I, I like it. That's good. Yeah. And, and then uh, New York Comic Con starts tomorrow. Yes, as this. Yes. And uh, I will be there for one day on Friday. To, I, will, I will be on a panel about um, how to revitalize a discussion about revitalizing female characters in this modern uh, comics age. And I'm going to have a lot of things to say about that. Oh yeah. 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 I am. Going <laughs> to give us a, like a sneak preview. Uh, you know, we've t- I think I, I don't know. I think we've talked about this. I, I, I personally think that, uh, I mean, my, where, where I'm sure the conversation will, cause there's going to be some great people on that panel, including Andy Schmidt and Rika Jang and Erica Schultz. And um, it's going to be a great panel. And my, where I'm going to begin my statement is I think that the, <clears throat> the solution to that problem, generally speaking, has been to create female characters that solve problems in the way that men do, which is to beat people in the face uh, until the problem is solved. And while there are a lot of female readers that like that and there should be those characters, I, I, I'm, I'm never about – don't do that. I'm more about like, you know, we need some other alternatives with women that I I think one of the reasons Oracle became such a popular character is that she was forced in a way, strangely enough, she was forced by a, uh, a physical limitation of the character to address problems in a way that I think, um, is more, God, what's, you know, what's the term I can use that making everybody mad. I want to say traditionally female, um, but I, I, I don't think that when a woman fantasizes about solving problems, she's necessarily fantasizing about beating people into submission. I think that's, I think it's fair to say that's probably a, a, a adolescent male power fantasy. But if we want, which is which has its place. Mm-hmm. But if we want to expand female readership into a mainstream, I, I think that we need. Uh, you know, not exclusive, but we need romance comics, and we need we need uh, you know mystery comics. We need we need we need stories in which women are solving problems in which in ways that they fantasize about. Mm-hmm. Um, 
fantasize, of course, I'm using it in a non-sexual context and yeah. in, in terms of the way we think of adolescent male power fantasy. What is an adolescent, adolescent female power fantasy? What is an adult female power empowering fantasy? Let's talk about that and let's try to have the books reflect that and the characters reflect that. And I think once you start doing that, and some people are in earnest, I think we're going to see um, a lot of female readers come to comics and stay. That, that's going to be my basic theory. But still come to the panel anyway because yeah. they'll be – obviously I think people uh, you know, espousing their own points of view and I might change my mind. Yeah, because I mean, I mean, I, I'm sure there's there, you know, I don't know what percentage it would be, but I'm I'm sure there's would be some female uh, readers that would like to see the you know the character beating up the bad yes, guys. Yes, absolutely. Like like I say, I'm not about taking you know Wonder Woman and taking Catwoman or taking some of these or Buffy the Vampire Slayer and 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 making them pacifists. I'm not I'm not trying to defang anybody's favorite characters, and sh- and certainly there are female readers, but there's there's. There's people from all different sides of life who like all different kinds of things. But, you know, we've had this discussion before. Mm-hmm. When you're talking about, you know, when you're talking about massive, um, uh, uh, you know, increasing readership on a massive scale, I don't think you want to ignore the fringe, but you also don't want, you don't want, we, we're ignoring the center is the problem. We've, we've gone in, in, in embracing the fringe, which is a problem in comics in general, um, we've completely forgotten the center and we can't get the, you know, we need, uh, Jim Shooter told me a long time ago when I was a wee intern that, uh, you know, they couldn't have published Moonshadow, which is of course is a very, is a legendary indie book. If X-Men hadn't been selling millions of copies, you need, you know, a healthy center. And I do believe this in mass media, a healthy center, you know, um, the money off of Batman makes, you know, Warner aspect, the movies that Warner Aspect makes, the kind of movie, indie movies that I like, it makes that possible. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, yeah. So, yeah. Absolutely not about taking away anything from anybody. So, don't, uh, as, as, as becomes our mantra, uh, our mantra during these, uh, during these podcasts, don't, don't write me an evil email about that. We've, we've covered it. Yeah, I mean, and, and it is nice to see that, you know, publishers are starting to pay attention to you know there is a whole thing that you know girls don't read comics and yeah. you, you know i always thought that was ridiculous because you know my my daughter who is now in middle school you know she it, obviously part of it is my indirect influence that you know she sure. loves comics so much but i never They're like force house, right. yeah I, I never force like anything it's like oh you should read this because you know she you know she she loves frozen you know it's yeah. you know, opposite of that and you know she likes archie comics and she loves agents of shield and you know all guardians of the galaxy she loved the movie you know so sure th- there's that and it, it's nice to see that there is a, more of an awareness that it's not just you know dudes or boys that are are you know into this stuff yeah i think you know i like to think that um you know some of it is is, is disney buying marvel and kind of saying, you know, they bought, they clearly bought Marvel because they, Disney was having trouble um, planting a foot in in the demographic of, of young men and adventure, serial adventure, and stuff like that. And they obviously are incredibly good at en- enchanting girls. Uh, and so it would be nice to, um, uh, it would be nice to think that they are going to bring that ability into comics, and thus then DC would be forced to also. Do it as well. I look. I don't think Marvel, DC, Dark Horse, any of these people. I don't think that they would. They would. You know, if a if a, if a 
14-year-old female reader was holding up five bucks, that they would slap that hand down and say, keep your goddamn dirty money. I think it's a matter of that there's a sense that they, they were good at doing something. And it's, it's very hard to get a company. I'm not saying it's right, but it's very hard to get a company to go, um, you know, we know what we're doing when we do this and we make this amount of money and when we do that. But we're going to risk some of that now to build a audience that we don't know, you know, we're going to build a theater for a product and we don't know if anyone's going to come into that theater. That's tough to justify to the people that are holding the purse strings. And the people that hold the purse strings, you know, if they take too many risks that fail, all of a sudden you don't have a company, you have people out of work. This isn't just about, you know, this isn't just about supporting characters that we love. We're, you know, this is about companies in business supporting families and, and men and women supporting their families and their children and putting their children through school. And sometimes a fan can forget that and then the decisions that are being made become incomprehensible. Um, and that's when people get angry. I, what, what I think is interesting when you, when you mention, because, uh, like, yeah, I mean, Disney, most of their movies, you know, dealt with, you know, the Disney princesses. You know, you, mm-hmm. you have all that. And they're hugely successful. But it, what's interesting is, you know, Big Hero 6 is, is coming out, which is based on, you know, Marvel characters. Yeah. But I, and I, I never like researched it like further to, to see if there was ever any like an official statement on it. But there is absolutely no mention of Marvel whatsoever. Interesting. On, on well, do you think that's on purpose? I mean, it must be, right? It, it seemed because like when it was first announced, you know, they were like, you know, they're going to be doing this movie and it's going to be CG. And, you know, and, but then it's like like nowhere do you see it, it's, you know, Marvel, Marvel. It's not Marvel Studios. It's Disney. And there, there's not even a, like based on Marvel characters. Which, because that says something to people, that says something to parents. I think about so. The content. So I wonder if they could have gotten away with something like Marvel Junior, like Nick Junior. But, um, but I think why would they? The Disney brand is so powerful that a superhero movie with a Disney brand on it. What else do you need? Yeah, it, from that point of view, I, I, it, it does seem like you know if you said you know anything, if even just you just said Marvel, you know the the movie going people are going to think Marvel Studios are going to think you know the PG thirteen movies. Then yep. they might be like, well, maybe I, you know, I can't take my five-year-old to see this. Exactly, exactly. Then, you, it, then you've set yourself up with an expectation you have to fight down. And again, as usual, as I always say, I have no inside information as to how the inside of Marvel yeah. or DC runs. I have my logic. I have my observation. I have my, my brain, which I think is excellent. And, uh, and we try to, and as, as is yours, and we try to ferret some of the stuff out. It seems to me that a superhero movie with a Disney brand on it is certainly a, would be a powerful enough enticement for a little boy or a little girl, let's say, let's say more a boy who, um, who is aware of Disney but is getting a little bit too old for the, or, or maybe is getting uncomfortable with the princess thing. Mm-hmm. Um, that's the other thing. The, part of the problem here is that there is an effort to, to say that to be equal, boys and girls, you know, specifically boys and girls in terms of marketing, that they must be the same. And, uh, and that just isn't true. Boys and girls... Certainly there's a lot of overlap, and I certainly would argue that they probably have more stuff in common than they have not in common. But, they, but there is definitely an advantage to marketing things to boys and girls in a different way, and to ignore that is just naive. And you know, it's, it's, it's idealism pushed up against, you know, in, in opposition to reality. And I'm a realist, and I'll, you know, I'll always be a realist more than I do. For me, any – we're getting – 
esoteric here, so to speak. But to me, it's always about, um, you know, ide- ideology, any ism to me is always a sort of a way to put your thinking, put your independent thinking on, on hold. Like I'll just, I'll subscribe to a, a system of belief and thus I don't have to stop and think about a, any given individual situation. And that's just not a good way in my, my point of view. You're like you and I, you and I are men of the world. We, mm-hmm. we, we've been around a couple a time or two and uh, that's just not the way that um, the best way to sort of solve problems, especially problems again, that upon which the families and educations of children, of people, of families, and these com- you know, who depend on these companies, uh, you know, um, are involved with. Yeah. But uh, hey, how about that cosplay? <laughs> yeah, you're just going <laughs> to jump into that. <laughs> Let's do it. Let's Good. do it. Because I, I was I, just going to going to point out, you know, t- touching on the movies for just a little bit, that you know. Because even like on, on our site, you know, if, if you look at the analytics and, you know, where the data, I don't know how the data is obtained. Um, and, you know, it's above my whatever, my pay grade or all that. But it's like, you know, our 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 demographics, it, it's it's almost 50-50, like male and female. And, oh, really? And then, That's yeah. Amazing. and That's amazing. Yeah. And, you, you know, you look at the Hollywood movie and, you know, if, if we're seeing more and more female comic book readers you know you, you look at the movies it's like you know guardians of the galaxy you know one female character avengers one female character and you know there's always stuff you know, it's like you know how come we don't have a, a black widow solo movie you know why can't we have yeah. this and then and, and even you know i i think there's like stuff with like expendables when they're like you know how come we don't have the female action stars in there so it's it's like well again again i i, for, I think that you are going to have i mean it, it would be ridiculous to not eventually have a a black widow uh, uh, movie. If I had to guess, and again, this is with absolutely no inside information at all, I would guess the probably the main issue with a uh, with a uh, you know Scarlett Johansson is one of the biggest stars in the world, and probably uh, I, I you know what I might argue that except for Robert Downey Jr. She's probably the biggest star in Avengers, and to put her in a solo movie, she's going to want Robert Downey Jr. money, and I and that's. I, that's not where Marvel's headed right now. Marvel is Marvel Studios is definitely headed for more bang for less buck, uh, for the minimum bucks. And uh, Scarlett Johansson probably would command a a great deal of uh, an ungodly sum of money. Um, so I would imagine that's probably the biggest thing. I mean, the problem is like the the, the like the what is it, the Beck Beck Beckdell test? Is that what it's called? Um, okay. About uh, you know having is that what am I saying that correctly? I, I don't even know. Okay. Oh. I apologize on the behalf of both of us. I'm going to look this up. The, I, believe, I believe it's the Bechdel test. But like the, the part of the problem with, with solving this sort of issue of, of – of, yeah, Bechdel. Uh, Allison based on – named after Allison Bechdel. Um, the problem with solving this sort of issue of multiculturalism and, and multigenderism in, in comics and, I, and, I, and some people actually use those terms pejoratively. I am not using those terms pejoratively. Um, is that you can't, you can't compel anyone, an artist, to say, you've got to make sure that every story you write is half female, half male, and that the, it passes the Bechdel test. You can't. There are going to be stories. If you want to write a story that involves, like, like for example, John Carpenter's The Thing, that's a great movie and it involves only men. There's not a single woman in the entire movie. It's a great, and it's a great movie um, that women can enjoy, I'm sure, as well as men. Um, you can't compel people 
to sort of solve these macro problems on their micro level. And yet when you stand back, you certainly can see that on, on the macro level, on mass, there's clearly a problem that needs to be addressed. Um, but you can, again, you can't compel an individual person and you can't punish, you can't be punitive to an individual person who says, I, I want to write a, a movie with about you know seven guys called The Expendables or seven action stars or whatever and you can't be punitive about that because that's not fair. Because then you get into the realm of censorship. You can't censor an artist. You just can't. I, I, I just put my foot down completely about that. Let someone create and then let the market decide whether or not it, it's acceptable or not. You can't um, preemptively say, uh, you know, someone can't say something. Put, shut your mouth because what you're, what you're about to say is, is going to be insulting and offensive and whatever. You can't, you're prosecuting before the crime's been committed. It's not fair. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I personally have several different uh, products that I want to pitch and uh, of the five or six of them that I'm very seriously delving into, two of them I think would pass the Bechdel test and have lead female characters and that's because this conversation got me to think about this this social conversation that we're having got me to think about what my proclivities are Uh, on the other hand i have a series coming out with with dark horse that's pure noir masculine testosterone driven stuff and i'm having a ball with that too we can have different kinds of stories the problem is we've had one kind of story um for a very, very long time. And, and, and I think people are right to say, are we going to get, not to say stop giving us those kinds of stories, but they're right to say, when are we going to get something different? Yeah. And, and you know, touching back on, on the Black Widow, this was something that was back in March when I, I went to a press conference for Winter Soldier. You know, the question was brought up and, and Kevin Feige um, said that by giving her her own movie, that pulls her out of the ensemble opportunities. You know, because like you know, they were going to do Avengers two, and then you know, if she's going to be in Captain America three, you know, physically, like in terms of time, yeah, because because you know, you're going to they're going to be filming that movie while you know they're going to be trying to work on another movie too. So that means she can't be in two places at once unless they try to you know rearrange the Look, schedules. That could be true. That could be absolutely be true. I I I have I've hung out with some of these movie movie people types, and uh, <laughs> you know what? I have found that often the truth, I was, I was working on um, a very high-profile book-based uh, movie that was, in, that was in development with some, some pretty high-end people that I still don't think I can talk about, and I can say it was very amusing and very puzzling to see people talk about this project on Ain't It Cool News and different places and get it completely wrong. Just think, they just come up with the most dramatic version of, of, of interpretation of anything that might be going on. And it's like, you know what? No, the decision to use that actor came from a, a five-minute conversation we had with the director over pizza. Mm-hmm. And, it, you know, like, like, like your job, like anybody's job, you just kind of go, um, you know, oh, well, who do you think would be good for this? Well, what about these three guys? Well, that guy's too, kind of too big and that guy's kind of too old and that guy's not going to work out and that guy's difficult to work with. What about this guy? That's interesting. Let's talk to him. And it's very banal. It's very, you know, it's, it really is just a, just a business, you know, mm-hmm. like, like most other businesses, just the stakes are, you know, the money's, the money's, the money can be high, although not as high compared to some other businesses. I, I, I work with a guy who was building um, the first luxury hotel built in Harlem in, in 45 years. And I can tell you that thing had a budget <clears throat> at, at least four times as large as what they were asking for, for this giant movie project that I was working on. Wow. 
So it's, you know, construction, there are a lot of things still going on in the world that are much more important than this. Yeah. All right. Cosplay. Cosplay. People are mad. People, people are yelling at, uh, Miss Dorman. Yeah. People are, people are upset and people think that money's being stolen and let's get into it. I don't, I don't think that's what's happening. Yeah. So, uh, she wrote a blog and, and, and she, she commented and, and I believe she just mentioned, you know, there's cosplayers there and, you know, this and, and then, you know, later she's like, you know, you know, people aren't going to shows to buy high end art and stuff like that. So the way it was presented, you know, it was, it was basically out of context where it looked like she was saying, was it purposely put out of context? I, you'd have to ask whoever put it out there. Mm. And so, I mean, it basically looked like, you know, she was saying cosplayers are, are bad. They're ruining comic conventions for creators, which is absolutely not what she was saying. Right. And, and then we did an actual, a up interview with her and, you know, touched on, on, you know, just to explain that further and, and, you know, try to get her word out of, and then of course, you know, that's not blown out of proportion like the other one. Cause you know, the other was like a juicy soundbite that I, I, I wish, I wish that I can convey, and I know some of your listeners will understand this. I wish I could convey to everyone how genuinely scary it is to have a, you know, you have a career that's at least based somewhat in a public eye. And when I say like celebrity, I mean like I'm, if I'm going to even use that word in relation to myself, it's like I'm one of the lowest possible levels of celebrity that could possibly be. But how scary it is that you're, you're living, you're paying your, your, your children's tuition or you're buying food for your table to feed your, your partner and your children and to maintain a certain level of living. Is the, it could be destroyed by someone in my opinion, very pur- you know, often very purposely, um, taking something out of sort, you know, taking something you said out of context, um, and and making it far more salacious than you intended, and you, the the terror that it, that becomes about like you feel like you can't, exp- and this is art. This is art. This is supposed to be about you know, and and I and, I, and I'm very I feel very privileged to make a living and work in an art form in which the fans are so tied so closely to us that people can listen to a podcast and then go on my website and write me an email or find me at a convention or find me at a panel or find me on Facebook and have a conversation and hit me up on Facebook and I will answer back. And that's a wonderful thing. But the cost of that freedom has to be that you can't lose your crap when someone says something that you think you disagree with. That's because if you do that, then you automatically tell people you're not free to express yourself because if you're wrong or if people judge you to be wrong, we're going to take away your ability to make a living. And that's not right. Okay. It's not right. It's evil. It's mm-hmm. evil. Yeah, and when someone does that to push their own website, that's evil. Yeah. Because I, I saw so many tweets go by like that were basically saying, like, that's ridiculous. Cosplayers are great and this and that. And, and it touched the nerve. It touched the nerve. Yeah. And, and, you know, I, so I wonder if all these other, you know, creators that were, you know, defending cos- the whole cosplay, you know, genre, idea, movement, whatever you want to call it, you know, I, I, I wonder if they ever got the facts and well, then let's, realized. Let's another thing that's really gross. And I'm not going to, I'm not calling, I'm not calling people out, but I can tell you that it is really gross when there is sort of this, you know, um, you know, witch hunt going on, people are clearly not reading, you know, the original uh, thoughts in context, and then creators themselves 
see that there's a there's a you know, mob forming, and so they grab a torch and they grab a pitchfork and place themselves in front of the mob and say that they're being a leader. Mm-hmm. That's disgusting, and uh, and uh, and and people aren't. You know, the sad thing is that people aren't called to task for it. People aren't called to task for for someone's you know as if to say someone to say, hey man, you. You went on your Twitter feed and you espoused this position and you clearly did not read this person's original point of view. You just, you know, again, picked up a pitchfork and marched along with people and you should be ashamed of yourself because, the, because by the time that, would, that sort of um, enlightenment would begin to dawn on people, the next manufactured outrage is already on the way. And, and it's, it's not to say that there aren't things that are happening that people should be upset about, but it's like... You know, is the appropriate response to I'm training to be the T-shirt that says I'm training to be Batman's wife. Mm-hmm. Someone is just trying something out. Is the appropriate response anger or is the appropriate response, you know, just like, hmm, you know, is this, is this wise? I'm, I'm not going to buy this, you yeah. know. And believe me, when you tell someone at a company, I'm not going to buy this, you don't really have to speak much more loudly than that. You don't really have to start threatening, saying people should get fired, which I think is a disgusting thing to, to suggest to anybody. Someone should get fired over something. Uh, you know, it, it, it's, people got to take a step back and, and, and chill the F out. Because first of all, or rather third of all, the quickest way to get a company to just ignore your individual opinion is to just start frothing at the mouth because then to just go, okay, what do we have to do to make this person go away? They're going to do what it takes to get you to go away and they're going to just continue on business as usual. No one ever changed their minds by being yelled at. It's just, just a fact of life or, or being criticized on a personal level. It doesn't work that way. You gotta, if you want things to change, you've got to come together and have a meeting of the minds and have people say, look, you know, this hurt my feelings or this made me feel this way or it makes me feel like you're not paying attention to me as your demographic. What, what are you trying to say with this? And when you approach things that way, you'd be surprised how often people – because all of these people in PR, all these people at DC or Marvel, whatever, they're human beings. They have kids. They have siblings. They have friends. And when you come to them as a human being – You'd be surprised how often they come back and just say, well, look, this is what we were thinking. Maybe we were wrong. Let's look at this again. And, and we, we're trying to sell to you. So we'll look at it. Yeah. Because I cosplay. With, with, with the, the, well, with the, that Batman shirt, you know, I'm, I, I think it's, it's kind of ridiculous. Um, you I know, think it is ridiculous. And, but I think someone, go ahead. Go the, ahead I, talk, but talk I, I think that there were, there, there, you know, there may be a, a small population out there, you know, some, some females that would. You know, think that's funny. It's like, yeah, I'll, I'll wear this shirt. And I think it was Clayton Moore. I think it, I think it was Clayton Moore who pointed out that it's probably for you know, you buy your wife one because you like Batman, and you say to your wife, you know, could you wear this? And she thinks it's cute. You yeah, know, and it's, it, it, it's it's not like she's saying sense. like, oh, oh, okay, you know how you know the drill. <laughs> yeah. So uh, yeah, I, I'm I'm sure it's well, it, my baby. Papa's on the phone. It, it's, I know you are. You keep you keep ice skating, baby, and don't don't hurt yourself or bleed or anything. You know, because then Papa's got to stop the interview. You got Go ice out there? What was that? I said, you got ice out there? So. No, she's not. She's sliding on the floor <laughs> in her socks. So, but I, I'm, I'm sure if, if, you know, whoever, if someone is going to wear a shirt that I'm trained to be Batman's wife, it's not like they're saying, it's like, oh, now I'm making a statement. It's, it's like, no, it's, it's just a novelty Ooh, it's a shirt. Joke and, shirt. Um, it's a joke shirt on the level of like, you know, a smile if you like, you know, butt sex or something. Like, yeah. <laughs> It's a joke. It's like, you know, no one's really, that's not a consenting contract that any, you know, any guy that, ex- that wears that is expecting. Let's, let's, 
just relax. There's so many real problems in the world that this is just, this is, and, and this, and I can tell you, this is how it's perceived. I don't have any specific knowledge of DC on this particular issue, but I'm telling you in general, when people froth at the mouth over stuff like this, the reaction, generally speaking, is just like, do whatever, just put a statement out there and get them to shut up. Mm-hmm. Because this is not, this is not um, constructive criticism. Yeah. This is not constructive, you know, a opening of a, a, a dialogue. So just get rid of it. Yeah. Because, I mean, and on, and on the other hand, you know, I, I don't, I wouldn't get that shirt for my daughter. No. Of course not. And because, um, you know, she actually has, she has a shirt that, that she liked. It's um, it's like the Avengers or kind of the cartoony versions and Black Widows in the front. And then she's saying, like, like, stand back, boys. I'll, I got this. You know, That's and, awesome. and it's That's basically awesome. saying, you know, she can kick butt. And my daughter, you know, thought it was cool. And my daughter wore a Superman, Supergirl costume. She wanted the skirt <laughs> at New York Comic Con a couple of years ago. And she I can't skate with you right now, my love. Can you give me like a few minutes and I'll do that? Thank you, my love. Um, and she, but she told that people, oh, Supergirl, and she corrected people. I'm Superman. Yeah. Like, didn't even occur to her that that was an issue. And then she goes back and forth, and she, you know, I certainly don't want her to think that the girl heroes are anything less than the male heroes. But I kind of like this idea that it, it, the gender just doesn't matter to her right now. And I'm not in a hurry. And I think, I think obviously one day, gender. Then issues of gender will be something that she has to think about. But you know what, man? I, she's almost she's gonna she's gonna be four. I'm not in a hurry for her to have to think about that. Yeah, you know, so, she can. That's for another day. Yeah. So, so my my daughter, you know, she just started middle school, and and oh, one of the things, thanks. One of the things that really bugs her, like around Halloween, is when you see like the the female Spider-Man and I'm not talking about like the, the sexy versions. Cause you know, we try to steer her clear. Slutty, that. slutty construction, yeah. slutty doctor, also, nurse, slutty drywall, piece of yeah. toast, whatever. Piece and slutty piece of toast. Yeah. yeah but when, when she sees, because you know, it's even like the, the kids costumes, you know, because we'll, we'll get like a catalog sent to our house or whatever. And, yeah. and there's like, you know, female Spider-Man, female Captain America. And, and it just really bothers her. She's like, that, that's not even a, a character. That's not what it looks like. And, you know, so she doesn't understand why they go out of their ways to make these costumes just for girls. Right. And, you know, when, when, you know, there is a Spider-Woman, but, you know, Spider-Woman is not a name brand, you know, household name character like Spider-Man. It just really bothers her to see these costumes. She thinks it's ridiculous that they make I think, them. I think people get upset by a perceived lack of choice. Mm-hmm. Like these things represent a lack of choice, and and again, I'm I'm all for if a woman wants to wear a Superman costume, that's fine. Mm-hmm. If she wants to wear a feminine version of a Spider-Man costume, that's fine. And if she wants to wear a slutty version of a Superman costume, that's fine too. Uh, we were talking, we were chatting about this before. I, I you know I think that one of the things about cosplay, um, uh, we put out we put out the feelers yesterday and a couple of days ago for questions. And what I was a little bit surprised by was how many women, and I don't necessarily mean sort of the traditional soccer mom type women, but like young you know young women um, who who uh, to me clearly have no sort of issue with their own sexual nature or sexuality, as far as I can see from the, from a distance. Um, Really question this idea. Why, you know, it, it, why do women have to come dressed to conventions, dressed in the sluttiest versions of certain costumes? Um, there's a sexualization of these characters that clearly were intended, at least at first, to be um, somewhat aimed at children. 
Um, and, and I don't blame them. And I, and, and, and uh, there are times that I see a costume and part of me goes, I, I wouldn't want my daughter to see that because mm-hmm. that's not appropriate in a, in a family setting. Yeah. On the other hand, if, if someone's getting, if someone's getting their sort of sexual identity on, and this is part of it, uh, then, you know, God knows more power to you. Is this the setting or should there be other conventions where it's it's specifically more family friendly? Um, certainly, a lot of shows take issue with sort of smutty material. Uh, they don't want that to be you know available and displayed. And San Diego has Comic Con has very specific rules about stuff like that. So it's obviously a very complex issue. Yeah, and it, you know I, I think it's it's unfortunate because I I think before we we got started, you mentioned like Jean Grey or like Phoenix. And yeah. see, to me, I mean, I, I'm, I'm a big fan of, of Jean Grey's character and like it's a the, very empowering figure, yeah, the dark Phoenix saga is like one of the first, when, when I first started reading comics, I got a trade one of, of, the greatest of, comics of that sagas of all time. And I, even though when I was reading it, you know, I was, a, you know, a young kid, a young boy, I, I never really, and to this day, I never really see Jean Grey as like a sexual character. You know, when, when you think think about a character like that, it's, it's usually like Emma Frost, who's always in you know the lingerie well, when she started. Her, her the sexual her sexual identity is part of it's, it, her sexuality is part of her identity as a character. Sure. Yeah. So right. it, it it's unfortunate that like if if someone chooses to dress as Phoenix, which I, I love the design of the costume, that a lot of times it's kind of perceived as a sexual presentation well, let's break it down let's it's, break it's it a skin tight costume yeah let's be honest for number one it's a skin tight costume but no but i but no, but i've seen i've seen women in skin tight costumes that don't feel overtly um you know overtly sexualized mm-hmm. there are there are women who are dressing up as professional cosplayers and they're they're selling risque sexualized eroticized material for adult men and that's what they're doing and that's uh, i'm not saying that should be illegal I'm not saying that certain shows shouldn't have that kind of a thing. I wouldn't want my daughter to see that. I think maybe there should be some shows that are quote-unquote family-friendly and don't invite that. But that's sort of partially what we're talking about. There is also a very strong contingent of amateur cosplayers who don't have any intention of sort of making a career out of it who, who are obviously getting something very personal out of dressing like that in a public function um and and before we move on let's say i think we both agree that um you know they shouldn't be photographed or abused or touched or anything that they don't want to no one should have anything happen to them that they don't want to have happen to them i think we can we can absolutely we can all agree on that there's there's no open invitation just because you know on the street anywhere else it's yeah not not even in in costumes you know yeah yeah. absolutely absolutely categorically we're 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 now covered we're, we're safe now to talk about this. So um, that's clearly also happening. But, um, you know, I think what, what, what touched a nerve was the idea that cosplayers were taking away money from creators. And I, I don't really know any creators that think that, to be honest. I think what we think is when we discuss it, and it is discussed, and the amount of money being made at shows has gone drastically down in the last five or six years. And I think there's many, many different factors. And I think... <laughs> the largest what baby what's actually happening in conventions it, the, the, the frustrating thing is that there's a lot more conventions there's people a lot more people going and for a change in the last like five years younger people going 
But unfortunately, it seemed, you know, many years ago, I, I posited very publicly that there was going to have to be sooner or later an answer to the question, are these movies, are these movies going to result, are these movies going to result in people getting into reading comics? And I think, unfortunately, the answer is no. The answer is no. The answer is that there have been, there have been billions of dollars worth of tickets sold to people of all ages to go and watch Avengers and Spider-Man and Superman and Batman. And a very, very small, in, infinitesimally, uh, infinitesimally, a very, very small portion of these people are actually becoming comic book readers. I think that's partially the fault of the, of the industry for not capitalizing correctly on that. And it's partially the fault of just people not reading. People don't read. Mm-hmm. And they, they have these images represented to them in this very dynamic medium and, and comics may actually, I'll say it, it may actually feel to them like a step down. So we see all these people coming to these shows because they see media guests, they see actors, and of course they see people dressed in costumes so they get their pictures taken. And unfortunately, they, they, there's the guy actually drawing Spider-Man and they don't care. And there's, there's exceptions. There's always the Jim Lees. There's always the Dustin. Dustin has, has a, a Dustin... Uh, Dustin Wynn, Dustin Wynn, Dustin, buddy, I'm sorry. But Dustin does incredibly well every year at San Diego because he draws a plethora of Batman stuff and he's very, very talented and he's got, he's doing it for years. And so there are the exceptions. But for most people, most working class Joes working in comics, um, it's, it's really brutal out there. Mm-hmm. And, when, and when Patrick Stewart is at a show and he's commanding a $50,000 minimum from the show, that means there's less money to fly you in, less money to, to have more comics-related events. Um, and so many of these shows are, are turning into what San Diego turned into, which was uh, a media show, and that's not helping us. And so, and there's also, I think, one of the things that Miss um, Dorman was talking about was that it is sort of, look, it, it is, I, I have had to tell people taking multiple photos in front of my table, you need to move along. Because you are being rude. You are, you are blocking people potentially looking, either looking for me or people who don't know me from looking at my table. And you're standing there for five minutes, ten minutes, taking photos for free. And that's all well and good. But you need to move it along. You need yes. to move it along. It's not fair for you. I'm doing business. It's not fair. Mm-hmm. I, think that's a fa- I don't think that's unfair to say. No. I don't think most people would say it's unfair. And, you know, and the other thing, what I've noticed a lot is, you know, when I'm, I'm hanging at, at people's tables where there's, there's a large number of people who have no idea who the creators are. And, and, you know, that, 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 that could be, you know, kind of good or whatever, you know, there could be the sense of discovery, but I'll, I'll see people come up and, and they have no idea if, if the person's a writer, an artist or an editor. And, and I, I think they also don't have a concept of what, original art costs, you know, when it comes to commissions oh, sure. or, sure. and you know, they, they, interested. they, they think like, Oh, this should, you know, it's just a drawing on a piece of paper. You know, it should be free. It should be $5 that's or, but it's like, it's like, no, that's, that's your livelihood. That's how, you know, you're, you're, you make your income. Um, so that it, takes, it, that it takes a day or two to draw. And mm-hmm. that's with, you know, experience that you've built. So like, you know, imagine we, we charge doctors that way. Like, Oh yeah, that, that operation's two hours of your time. Uh, okay, so you get paid 15 bucks an hour, so let's pay the doctor 30 bucks for the operation. It doesn't work that way. It doesn't work that way. That doctor and that artist invested uh, decades into those, you know, a decade into those of, of serious study 
into those skills, and that's what you're that's what you're getting. And uh, look, my mom did it. My mom, one second. I'm gonna pause for a second. Mama, I will invest decades in these skills, and they should be paid as such. And uh, that's frustrating to watch. Yeah, because Mama, baby, you can't. You uh, let's continue. So, because uh, like with with Dave Norby, so like when when we did a follow up interview with with Denise, you know, she mentioned like some of the art costs like five thousand dollars, and and there was one comment they're like, "That's crazy," Cause, but there are certain you know depending on the type of art, and there people will pay that, and you know, well, they're mooks. I mean, look, I mean, let's let's put it, let's put let's let's you know, there are people that are going to walk into Dolce and Gabbana in New York on Fifth Avenue and go, "Why is that purse?" You know. You know, it's a thousand dollars, or why is that? Or, or even going to a high-end part of Macy's and go, why is that? You know, why is that suit? Why is a four thousand dollars suit? Why isn't just a, a regular five hundred dollars suit? You know, if you don't get it, you don't get it. Yeah. You know, but keep your comment to yourself. You know, it's ridiculous. Uh, there was a guy I, I, I was next, sitting next to Matt Triano at uh, one of the shows, and there was this guy like taking pictures of all his stuff, and Matt, Matt, who can you know, Matt's feisty. But Matt was even like, look, dude, I, you know, hey, I don't mind, but look, some of the stuff you can't post because it's, this is a book that hasn't come out yet. I'm just heard us here showing it and selling some art. And the guy like took all this offense. And it's like this person was just sitting here trying to explain this to you very calmly. And, and not only were you not listening, you were like indignant about the idea that someone was going to explain to you something you didn't know. And that's what I think a lot of it comes down to. People are really indignant these days about someone daring to suggest there's something about something they don't know. And rather than being like, I'm going to sit down and I'm going to listen to something, you know, they want to just, they want to go through their lives pretending that they know everything. And it's, you know, and frankly, the more uneducated you are, the more likely that's your attitude to be completely honest. Yeah. I, when I was at a Emerald city this year, uh, there, there is, um, this guy goes up to this artist that, you know, he's a really, really good artist. And he had, you know, he was, he had all the stuff that he wanted him to sign. And, you know, so he, he's signing everything. And I, so I'm kind of looking at it, you know, cause I was kind of like around the corner and they, then I realized that these were all like printed out like pieces of art, like that, right. that he's, you know, he, he found an image online and printed it like on, oh, on, like on not photo. His, you mean not his images. Yeah. They, they were, I mean, they were the, the, the artist's, Images, no, of course. That's and no, he no, no. he printed well, them out, and and he and to get signed. So the artist was signing all these, and after this, I was like, "What's that all about?" And he's like, "You know, I don't really know." And you know, it was only like one of each, so it wasn't like you know he's doing like like ten of this. And I I don't know if this guy just really liked it and was going to put him up, or if he's going to try to sell him because that's that I I just I thought it was very ballsy of, of this guy, either very ballsy or just not. Some of the guys I see doing the best at these shows are people that either haven't been in comics for a long time or are not in comics at all. And they're doing, uh, in some cases, very good. In some cases, not so good. Very large format posters of people's favorite characters. And they're not characters that anyone's ever, that they've ever worked on, um, which is sort of the, you know, the sort of the unspoken contract of, you know, like, don't sit there and just turn out a bunch of Batman posters. But if you work on Batman, you've got some images, and you want to sell some posters of your work, we'll turn a blind eye. That's sort of the unwritten mm-hmm. rule. But the, the fact is that except for certain specific fans, most people going through that show do not know the difference between Dustin's stuff, who actually works on Batman, and someone that's never done 
a comic book in his entire life and is just doing you know graphite renderings, not very good ones, of copies of stills from movies. Mm-hmm. That's the market. And unfortunately, that's it's a problem. It's a problem. And it's a problem that's easily solved. You know, for, for you know, one, stay away from those shows. You know, number two, um, you know, I, I think that there are some, and there's probably gonna end up being more shows that are more focused on just you come in, you're a comic book fan, come in and buy art, come in and buy books and, and talk to your creators and go home. And and there's not gonna be all this costume nonsense and all this like you know print nonsense. It's just gonna be, you know, real artists with real fans. And th- there's gonna be a place for that show. Until then, um, for a show like that, like San Diego to me, I used to make a little bit of money, then it was not so much money. Now I lose a little bit of money, and to me it's still worth going because San Diego is a true convention for me in, in the true sense of the word and that I go and convene with my peers. I go talk to editors and people that and be, I'm seen by editors that don't get to see me because they're on the West Coast and I'm on the East Coast. I mean I went and had a, a very nice dinner with a company that I work, uh, that work with and people that I never see because they're on the West Coast. And that to me was worth the price of you know going out there mm-hmm. so, somewhat somewhat um you know uh, uh managed by the, the the money that i actually made out there but certainly i'm not doing that for chicago i'm not going to do that for kansas city or whatever if i'm not making money at those shows i'm not going to go i'd rather be at home you know actually drawing pages uh and making money it seems to me that the way to make shows work for yourself as a, a money maker right now is you got to make shows like sort of your entire that's your entire career. You go from show to show, week to week. You generate prints and generate images every week that are not comic book related, but just, uh, I mean, they're comic book related, but they're just like, um, you know, original images, not something that you actually did for a book. And, uh, and that's how to do it. And that's not the career that I want. Mm-hmm. You know, I got books to draw. I want to keep doing those things. You know, I want to keep drawing Batman every once in a while for DC. So I, I don't want to do that other stuff. I, I, don't, I don't remember if it was you that mentioned it or someone else that like, you know, you got those, those like, uh, I don't, I don't want to say unprofessional artists, but like the ones that, you know, aren't ne- necessarily working on books, but they'll have yeah. these huge displays. Yeah. Yeah. I mentioned that. Yeah. 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 So, cause That's I, the way to go. That's the, it's the way to go. It's, it's, it's visible. The art is clearly, look, uh, this is not, you know, unfortunately this is not a population and I mean America where art is a, 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 you know, art and art appreciation is an important part of the curriculum. Let's face it. Um, the average person doesn't know the difference between Dustin's work or, or let's say I'll, I'll, if, I, if I dare put myself in the same category uh, or anyone you know, who's a professional comic book artist and someone that's just been sort of doing it for a little while on their own making posters and they're, semi, you know, they're semi-professional or they're semi-competent. That doesn't make a difference. I mean, you know, things are as good as they need to be. You know, I always say this about Hollywood, about movies. If if people didn't go see crappy movies, Hollywood would put more of a premium on better stories. They would, but why should they? People are going to see crappy stories all the time that are driven by marketing. It doesn't matter. People buy crappy comics. People buy crappy art because they don't care. They can't discern the difference. I I, I don't see that as a um I don't see that as a as a what's the word I'm looking for cynical. I don't see that as a, as a cynical point of view. That's simply recognizing what the market is. Um, I like to think that for me, it became more about you know the idea of being an artist or an illustrator is more of a boutique thing. I, I hope to 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 gain a 
a small but loyal following that likes my stuff and I continue to work and I develop stories and eventually some of them get picked up by larger, you know, mass uh, sort of media uh, entities and make a career out of that. And so far, so good. But, you know, that's the reality. People don't know the difference between good and bad art. Yeah. Now, did you go to uh, the special edition New York, whatever? The- no, I didn't go. I, 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 I was invited to go. They very graciously offered me a table. I, I didn't go. I had some things going on. And unfortunately, a lot of people I know didn't do very well. And it, it's, it's tough because that's, it's in New York. Everyone's here. I mean, you know, how well are you going to do when you got David Mack sitting next to you selling, you know, with his huge following, selling beautiful artwork with wonderful, you know, great books? And that's as it should be. That's, that is as it should be. But it's um, – and, and maybe that's also part of the equation. It certainly does seem that – and I look – and I've been at shows where it's been the, uh, it's been the opposite. Um, where I where I feel like I've taken I've done I've been at shows where I've done very well and everyone else has done really crappy, and it's it it definitely seems to be a factor where a very small percentage of people get all the money and everyone else has to fight for scraps. And again, I'd rather be home. And I, I recognize that I don't fight against it or try to delude myself. Um, and I'd rather be home making money doing doing books because you know David Mack can't draw every book on the shelf. Jim Lee can't draw every book on the shelf, so there's space for the people. But David Mack can sell most of the prints or most of the books at a single show. Uh, and again, I'm a Darwinist. That's as it should be. If that's, he's built a, a, a huge following. He does good work, and that's as it should be. Um, but that's also the reality. So I don't know if that's the solution. I think that – what should I say? What's a poopo? Okay. I'll say it later, okay? Okay. Bye. Go. Go, I don't forget, don't blame me for saying this later, but go watch TV. Go. Um, that's as it should be. Um, the market's changing. I don't know what it's going to be. Um, I, it doesn't bode well that I, I think if I would hope that if I were in charge of Marvel or DC, a very, very serious, um, a very, very serious target goal would be. We've got to stop worrying about the same 200,000 people every month, as important as they are. We want to keep them happy. We've, we've got millions of tickets to these movies being sold every year. We've got to grab a tenth of these people and get them to buy comics. And, I, and I'm not sitting here going, I know how that is going to be done, or even if it can be. Uh, and I'm sure someone is trying. But that's I, – I, this unless we want this industry to turn into something like – a very, a very poorly run animation studio where you go in and you clock in and you make your you know, 25000 a year and you go in and nothing, and nothing belongs to you and everything belongs to the company, which it could go that way, then something has to change. Yeah, and I, I, I feel like I've said it so many times on, on, on podcasts that with these big Marvel movies or you know, whatever, it's like they should have – you know, a, a 30 second or 15, whatever, like a commercial, a trailer you know, right before the movie starts, you know, to let people know you can read, no. you know, comics, you can read further adventures and, you know, find out. You don't have to wait two years to read about the Avengers. You can read about them now. Yeah. Or, or you know, see um, where they first started. And it's because it's, the only time I ever saw that was during the Green Lantern movie. 
mm-hmm. unfortunately. It was at the very end because, you know, you, you wait for the end to see if there's anything. And all there was, it was like one of those, you know, locate the comic shop near you. And, you know, they had like a, a picture of a couple of the Green Lantern traits. And so, you know, at least there was that, you know, it, it would have been better served at the beginning. Yeah, I think, look, I think there's some obvious things that need to be done. It still doesn't feel easy for the, for the average person to get comic books. You mm-hmm. know, they need to be... In, in, they need to be in the equivalent in the equivalent uh, uh, space as what a newsstand was. I don't know what that is because even with um, you know even with free apps, uh, people seem resistant, and that's and that's disappointing. You know, like I, I like I, I and I look. I'm a comic book reader, and I had to make a concerted effort to say to myself, anyone that publishes a free book, you know, you, the first issue of this series is free. I'm going to download it and I'm going to try it. But I, I'm ashamed to say it. it t- that took a specific effort for me to say I'm going. To, you know, I'm part of comics. I'm part of this family, and I'm going to be part of the solution. Even if no one else is, I'm going to make a, a point to do this, and I encourage other people to do it as well. But I had to be forced to do it. It wasn't that easy. Comics need to be something that you walk by, and there it is, and it looks fun, and you and it costs a buck, and you grab it, and you read it on the subway. That's what. That's the ideal context environment for a comic book and that environment doesn't exist anymore and it's a problem and the digital environment clearly is not uh, a full replacement yeah one of our our listeners commented that in his where he lives uh i guess the there's a comic shop like in a mall or somewhere and it's like right next to the movie theater how do they do i i he he says it seems like it works see how they do you know you walk out of seeing guardians of the galaxy and as you you're walking out you see there's a big guardians of the galaxy display so people might be like oh Let's check this out. So, I, you know, I, I think that that would be, you know, obviously you, you can't do that all around. And well, why can't you do that all around? People well, it, it all, all depends. Kinds of shops. There's all different kinds of shops in malls and on neighborhood streets. So why, but why not? Mo- I mean, most are, theaters are, aren't, you know, they're no, not no, necessarily theater, attached. No, yeah, sure. Theaters specifically, of course. But and, malls, certainly malls. I mean, where do kids go? Put put a comic book shop next to a school for for crying out loud. Give them a but then, okay. But so that's the other problem. The other problem is kids don't these days. Kids don't have a lot of personal time between school and going home. Mm-hmm. They just don't. They they're picked up or they you know they people are paranoid. So the kid, and I don't blame them. They pick their kids up. They don't want their kid walking home from school for the most part. They certainly don't want their kid ducking into a comic book shop for half an hour or an hour before they head home from school. Stuff that you and I did. Yeah. And that that again. Someone, someone is going to – it's the Wrath of Khan problem. It's what I always call the Wrath of Khan problem, which is you know, every Star Trek movie since Wrath of Khan pretty much stinks because they keep trying to make Wrath of Khan by making a, oh, it's a villain and there's a big starship fight at the end and, they, and you forget. No, but that's not the principle behind why Wrath of Khan worked. It was a longstanding slow burn of a, of a conflict – that played out on an emotional, you know, there's principles behind it. And you can, you can replicate the principles in a different way. And what people keep trying to do is replicate the past and, and go, well, look, what was the principle? What were the principles behind it? People, kids had their own discretionary income. Kids had the time and the access to go to a place like a newsstand and take 20 minutes and peruse and choose some comics and take them home. Uh, there, there are there are conditions that are missing these days um, that an iPhone can't necessarily replicate. Because first of all, most kids are not allowed to make purchases on their iPhone or their iPad by themselves. Mm-hmm. 
So there's the other problem. Again, so that essentially that's not discretionary income because a kid's going to have to take their iPad over to their dad and say, I want to buy these three books, buy them for me or subscribe for me. And, uh, you know, that doesn't happen all that often. You See, know? But, the, but what the, the good thing is what Marvel does, you know, they have Marvel Digital Unlimited where, you know, you – I was just talking about that yesterday. It's an incredible deal I, and people aren't falling over themselves paying for it. Yeah, because I, you know, I, I recently did a, a, a big video on, on S.H.I.E.L.D. So it's like, you know, it's like 50 years of, of all this stuff. And, and I remember looking and there's, you know, a bunch of stuff there because, you know, I'm a subscriber and it's like it's, it's there. And I'm, I'm still surprised like DC hasn't tried doing that. Because you know they they have this. Well, rich- I don't know how successful adventure it is. I don't know. It's tough because it's it's first of all I don't know if people want to read the old stuff. Yeah. Number one, people don't want to commit to another monthly. You know, I got my freaking cable bill. I got my internet bill. I got my yeah. You know, I got all these bills coming out the wazoo. I, I don't want to commit another fourteen bucks a month, even though it's an incredible deal. I don't want to have to do that. And then it's all this old stuff. And then I got to. When is it gonna? Is it going to be on or not? And but it, it's actually almost closer to like, like maybe like five, five bucks a month. It's, it's, almost, cra- it's, it's an incredibly crazy – It's like the price of a comic almost. And people, should, and, and, and people should be doing that, but they're clearly not. So we're not, we're not fulfilling a need here. And don't forget the other thing, which is that kids don't read. Kids yeah. aren't reading. Kids are reading in a much – for all the Harry Potter – and for all the YA novel successes left and right, you know, that's only sort of one – I mean there's a reason why that the YA phenomenon is sort of like one or two series at any given time because it captures all the readers. I mean in a way, it's sort of similar to what's happening in comics. They capture all the readers there are and then when that's over, they all go somewhere else. And if you're not one of those one, two or three really popular YA series going on in that period of three to five years, you're, you're sunk. You're done. Like it can, I know some YA authors and that's the way it is. If you're not – like you're either – if you're lucky, you're one of those guys or one of those women that are writing a YA series people are actually buying or you're ghostwriting on one of those series for like middle grade or something. That's, that's what that industry has become because people aren't reading. Kids, aren't, kids, kids are reading less than they ever have and not, it's, I, don't, not, I don't know what the solution is. My daughter, she's the exception because – and there, there's times like my wife's like she's like you got to stop giving her comics because you know she needs a break and cause she's like there, there'll be like sometimes in the morning you know to drive to school she's she's reading in the car and then she picks her up from school she's reading in the car she's like we have no conversation unless you know I, I sure, tell sure, her to put the book down but yeah, I, I, I don't know what it I mean I'm sorry Tony one second baby what is it mama please look. continue please yeah and then there's um you know, you could even say, well, what about motion comics? You know, if, if people don't want to read, but I, it, it seems like people, I don't know how, how those do if, if people, cause it seems like the traditional, you know, they, they don't like them. And it's motion comics are tough. Made fire is doing some incredible work and yeah. I buy some, but it, for some people when they hear, I, I feel it's like they don't see it mm-hmm. and because when they hear about it, they think, well, it's not a comic and it's neither a cartoon. It's sort of this weird thing in between the two and I don't like it and I've heard that a lot yeah. and it's just you know we got to find a way to re- I just feel very strongly that it comes down to replicating that experience of I'm on the way home there's a 7-Eleven I see a comic rack in the window and I go in and I grab my Spider-Man and whatever else they may have with, with whatever money I have and I talk with my friends a little bit about it at school and that that experience doesn't exist right now we don't. We can't get to these kids. This is a kid. The only way they're going to survive. One second. I'm- right. What are we talking about? Oh, just the, yeah. There's yeah, there's got to be a way to get kids to start reading comics, and 
And, and you know, part of it might be the cost too, because you know, I, I could see parents. Yeah, they're expensive. Yeah, parents could be a little little hesitant to say, okay, you know, here's a, a three dollar comic. You know, you're gonna well, read it's it by five. Now they're gonna yeah, be five dollar. Four dollar, and you're gonna read it in less than ten minutes. Yeah. So I. I, I mean, I feel it. Look, I, I feel the same way. Since I'll buy a three dollar comic and I'll read it in twenty minutes, and I'm like, mm, that really did not feel like you know. I, I pay twice that, and I get every movie on Netflix streaming. It's 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 an incredibly. It would be in an ideal world, we'd get enough readers that we could afford to charge. Go back to charging fifty cents for a comic or yeah. a buck for a comic, because if we had millions and millions of readers, we probably could do that. But we don't. We don't, and the problem and the problem exacerbates itself because then you charge five bucks, and we're going to start. We're going to slowly. We're going to start losing more readers, and now we have to charge five bucks because. Without that five dollars from each of the small, this ever dwindling number of readers, we can't afford to stay in business. Comics are an incredibly, comics are an incredibly work-intensive uh, experience that you don't get to replicate the way that you do a successful movie. And 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 there, and look, and there are movies that are independent. They cost a lot of money, um, and they never find an audience, and no one ever makes their money back. It's sort of the same principle. Yeah. But um, yeah. Anyway, I wonder how the the Marvel Digest do because. Archie has, I think they have it down right. You know, you, they're in supermarkets. Yeah. Well, aside from that, you know, you, you buy these digest books and, you know, sometimes they're, it's like a thousand pages for, you know, $8 or $9. Yeah, they can afford to, I'm telling you, they can afford to do that because they're in supermarkets and they can, they sell an in target and they can afford to sell a lot of these things. So it says a lot of widgets, more widgets means you can, you can afford to charge less per. But I, I, every we're we're perpetually comics are not perpetually stuck in this sort of like uh, uh, this sort of um, uh, state of you know when a new product comes out they're all a thousand dollars until they you know like the first four K TV is fifty thousand dollars and now next year there'll be four K TVs that are a thousand dollars a piece because they're they're coming ubiquitous but we're constantly stuck in the non ubiquitous phase um, and and the problem is some people actually take pride in that they they like the fact that comic and, and, and on some level i don't blame them because they like to sort of like this is sort of our thing but we can't just make this and pass it back and forth amongst the same two hundred thousand people for this to survive it's got to thrive and for it to thrive it's got to reach beyond that yeah i don't know it's 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 concerning i mean i'm sure i'm sure you're concerned i'm concerned you're you're asking i mean i'm doing fine yeah, but it's it's just you know, it's it's not what it what it used to be. When you look at like how many people you know used to buy comics compared to now, and and you know with with comic properties you know at probably an all time high in popularity, but you know there's still that that not that connection that that follow through where you know people will watch the TV shows or you know the movies, but then that that's the extent of it. It's, it's look. It's tough. I mean, the fact is, reading is an active, engaged, engaged kind of um, activity, and movies, you know, aren't. And TV isn't, and they're easier to sort of absorb. And, and uh, um, comics has become this very marginalized sort of, you know, interesting little kind of bizarro art form. And a lot of people like it that way. And I understand. And I, again, I understand the appeal of that. But you know, if we want this to survive, then we're going to have to. Uh, do this. <laughs> what are you doing over there? Stop it. What are you doing? Stop. I see you. I see you. You're my progeny. 
You are as irritating as I was at your age, by far. Yes, my love. <laughs> I, I want, I'm what do you want? Okay, baby. We're gonna have to, your backpack's in my car. Don't forget about that. So we're gonna have to get we're gonna have to get your pants on, and your shoes on, and your mom's coming soon. Yada yada. So Tony, let's wrap it up. Okay. Uh, there there was one question uh, that I have from Johnny Morales. He he's want, he wants to go to WonderCon. Um, I, yeah. I guess guess he's he's never gone. Okay. He, he's like, how do I make the most of it? Um, um, the, uh, my advice is go on the website, find the panels that you absolutely must be at, and try to organize them uh, because most people lose time traveling back and forth and trying to find things that they're looking for, not finding them, being late for something else, missing that. So go find what panels you want to be in. Um, make sure you understand, uh, you know, get a map. Make sure you try to get familiar with the map before you show up. Um, bring water and snacks. Um, uh, find places to eat outside the convention center if you don't want to be stuck in long lines to, to get really terrible food. Um, it's not really you know, terrible. Most conventions have pretty terrible food. I mean, there's ex- there's certainly exceptions. Um, yeah. The uh, the MegaCon in Miami comes to mind where it's the best spread of con food. You know, it's like Cuban food and Japanese food, like high end, like you know, cart like food truck food almost. The, that's, the, that's pretty terrific. The food at the Javits is is decent. I don't recall. Well, you know, like it's pizza and hot dogs. And yeah, like that. they're dead. They got some other stuff. But you know, I, I have a bit more of a refined palate, my friend. Uh-huh. You know, come on, I got you know, I can't be eating pizza and hot dogs. <laughs> I don't eat hot dogs. I miss hot dogs. They're so good. Uh. New York hot dogs are delicious. I'll eat the street dogs. I don't care if there's rat. You know, like <laughs> if I found out there was like rat butt and rat hole and rat liver and cat gut. I would, in, in the hot dog, I would have to reevaluate how I felt about all those things. Yeah, I'd have to be like, maybe rat butt is not that bad because it's in my delicious hot dog. Okay. Yeah. But anyways, going back to the question, it's, it's like, and also like, know what creators are going to be there, and you know, a podcast. Ha- have yeah. have your yeah. your your money. You know, there are ATMs, but you know, you don't want to pay ATM fees and. Yeah, have cash. Have more cash, and you think, look, you bring out five hundred bucks in cash. We want it all. You're going to spend it. You don't want to waste your time in an ATM. If you want to leave like, you know, 200 bucks and then leave 300 bucks of it in the safe, I bring the rest the next day. Um, yeah, know where things, right, Tony? Know where things are. Mm-hmm. Try to get familiar with, bring a map. Try to familiar, familiarize yourself with the map beforehand. Water, snacks. Comfortable shoes. Dress comfortably. Deodorant. Shower, deodorant, comfortable shoes. I would, I would say maybe like, like a room in your suitcase. If if you're gonna buy some Room stuff, your suitcase is very important. Some some yeah. of the bigger shows will have like FedEx on the facilities where you can mail stuff back home. But you know, I always try to keep like extra room in my suitcase because I I always yeah. end up buying you know. That's why stuff. I end up not buying a lot of stuff because uh, I just want to carry it. I want to haul it back. Yeah. But uh, yeah, but we go to a lot more shows than most people, so yeah, yeah you, you're gonna want to buy stuff and haul it back. Um, hotels can also arrange for. Um, Pick it, you know what? Uh, here's another piece of advice. If, if you're not going to do a lot of shows, err on getting a, a hotel that's closer to the show, even if it's a little pricier, um, because you know it's just going to be worth it. Because uh, you're going to get to the show faster, and you're going to get back from the show faster and rest. Because it's you know it, you don't want to you don't want to have to take a taxi or walk for miles to and from a show. Yeah. Other than that, don't uh, bother the ladies. Be nice. Be polite. 
Um, yeah, be respectful to everyone. Be respectful to everyone. Be cool, you know, and everyone. And people will be cool to you for the most part. Yeah. Buy, spend money. Mm-hmm. You know, God knows we need it. Spend a little money. Yeah. Don't take up. Uh, don't take up uh, a lot of space taking a lot of pictures. Like, take the picture and move forward. Yeah. San Diego instituted that a couple of years ago. They just now they have people barking at you if you spend too much time, you know, in a in a in a in a hallway in an avenue taking photos. They just come behind you, lickety split, and like move it along. Yeah, they don't even let you sit like anywhere, like in the lobby. Like, it's it's a tight space. You shouldn't have to get move it, move it along. You sit yeah. somewhere else. I mean, I get it. I mean, the real solution, the only real solution to that problem is a big is going to be a bigger a, a bigger. Um, Venue. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know if they're ever going to do that, at least not for a long time. Yeah. They keep seeing Vegas, but can you imagine the maniacs in comics in Vegas? I don't know. Sounds be, dangerous. The, the town would be on fire by the, for the morning of the first evening. Yeah, all those comic book people are crazy. We are comic the people, the creators. We'll yeah. Tear that place apart. Yeah, all the creators burn the city down. and. Oh, my God. It'll just be one big desert. There'll be a lot of married uh, hookers the next morning. That's what I know. <laughs> Thank you. A lot, of, a, lot of, a lot of Elvis Chapel marriages. <laughs> and on that note. <laughs> there you go. All right, Dennis. You got anything you want to you know, push? You just got a lot of stuff. That uh, you're, I you're... think Devil Inside. I think the Army of Darkness trade paperback is coming out soon. I got stuff coming out from DC Digital on the regular now, on the reg, as they say. Uh, I, I have to mention my wonderful friends at Future Dude Comics doing Brainstorm. It's a wonderful joy to do that book. Uh, stuff coming out. Oh, it's, it's just a plethora of stuff. And hopefully uh, my YA novel will be announced soon and some different things. And that'll be great. So, Do you update your website regularly? No, nah, not regularly enough. I usually use Facebook. Find me on Facebook. Look me up on my email address, DennisCaleroArt at gmail.com. You can find me on Facebook that way. That's how mostly I keep in touch with fans. I usually, I usually use the website for people if they want to find my portfolio and hire me for a job and contact me that way. That's what my website usually is for. Okay. Right. Thank you. Yeah, it's great talking to you again. Good day, my friend. So I hope to see you this weekend. Oh, yeah. Let's do it. All right. All right, so if you are at New York Comic Con, make sure you know look for Dennis's panel. He said it was on Friday. Also, make sure you go to the Comic Vine panel, which is on Thursday. We'll be running around. We'll be doing interviews and, and stuff like that. So be sure to say hello. Um, you know, Feel free to come up to us. Don't do it while the camera's rolling and we're talking, but you know, please, we 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 love saying hi. Um, it's gonna be a great time. And and again, main thing, like main emphasis, be respectful to everyone. You know, don't don't be a dick. I'll just say that. All right. I will talk to you guys next week. Um, we should have the audio from our panel if you are not able to make it to New York. So we should have that up so you can hear what kind of shenanigans we got into with that. And uh, we should hopefully have a regular podcast coming up uh, this weekend too. We'll see if if Matt and I, if we can make that happen, record one on the fly. All right. Thanks. Talk to you guys later. Have a great weekend. Great, great week. Great, great life. Right. I'll talk to you soon. So, so my question, my is, question is, who could it be? We don't, we don't know. And I would like to ask you which comic book does affect you most emotionally. Yeah, yeah. That's the question. I'll shake your head. I love Alan Davis. Hey, John I love Alan Davis. I wasn't a fan of this. That's the question. You can't blame the immediate creative team. I give this a two. two.